0: Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Workers' Mike, right here on seven twenty WGN. My name is Ken Edwards with the Midwest Coalition of Labor. Sitting to my left, wearing pink, is it's, it's salmon. So, oh, is it salmon? It's uh, salmon. It's a different color. Yeah, okay. It's uh, Ed Maher, and he is with the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local One Hundred and Fifty. It's a. I didn't know that One Hundred and Fifty made
1: salmon color shirts. I actually don't buy my shirts at
0: work. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, so we have a lot to get to today. Um, we don't have a guest intentionally um, because number one, nobody would come on. Um, <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. And we were we were guest heavy last. Time, yeah, we, we've just... had
0: too many guests. This whole guest thing is like getting annoying, right? It gets it? It gets in the way of me talking, right? You know, we got a lot to say. Nobody but I, wants, I, I, to, I nobody wants st- to hang I, out with us this week. Eh, that's okay. Yeah. Um, I want to start with with this. Um, if you have been following the news, uh, you saw that Ron DeSantis, uh, who I sometimes refer to as Goofy. Um, especially in his lawsuit uh, against Disney, Goofy v. Goofy, um, announced his uh, presidential bid, correct?
1: Yeah, that was on uh, Wednesday night on Twitter. He did it in an interview with Elon Musk on Twitter's new... Twitter Spaces, I think they call it some platform that Elon Musk whatever whatever
0: whatever they call it 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 didn't didn't work it it didn't go well. (laughs) So here's this guy announcing his presidential bid on Twitter, which by the way just seems like a weird place to
1: announce it. And they're filming it, right? It sends it sends an important message uh, that him and Elon Musk are oh they're simpatico. I think so. I think that was that was so goofy
0: and spaceman are uh, (laughs) are simpatico. But the funniest thing is is that. It didn't work. Right, like, it was twenty minutes of silence, and you know, it just it just like all the tech stuff didn't work. And now here's this tech billionaire mm-hmm. who bought Twitter, immediately fired everybody, and huh, that's weird. His his thing is not working.
1: Well, you make, I mean, that's a very good point. And the first thing that I thought of was. Um, you know the the system's not working. you'd think that there'd be people looking to fix this, yeah. but he fired what three quarters of his staff, <laughs> yeah. and since he bought it, Twitter went from a he paid forty four billion dollars right. and now twitter's value is estimated around twenty so wow. the value of the company has dropped by more than half um you know, and he fired seventy five percent but clearly he's having problems making things work. I mean his biggest uh, development I think so far was getting rid of the blue check mark so um, <laughs> this whole like fire all your workers and experience. Uh, unprecedented levels of success is not going well. Yeah, uh, and, for him. Smart,
0: and smart by the way of DeSantis then to announce this thing there. Like, why not at least tape it and then announce it? Like, do you have to go live where everything can go wrong? And sure <laughs> enough, it goes wrong. Like, so uh, number one, you're an idiot. Number number two, you're an idiot <laughs> for getting in bed with the guy that literally lost half the value of his own company and fired a whole bunch of people. And number three, just as an aside, if you're thinking about going up in one of Elon's rockets at the
1: moment, you might want to think twice. That is something that I have wondered for a while now is there's a lot of erratic behavior uh, a lot of you know unpredictable types of things that he says and does with varying degrees of success and at some point is this going to impact the 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 nation's willingness to invest in him and his company to send astronauts to the moon well, i to think Mars? i think
0: it did because i think he lost a bid to I, I forget who it was but nasa picked somebody else over him uh, and his SpaceX program to do X, Y, and Z—I don't know what it was—but he lost that bid. So I think like the, the days of Elon Musk seem to be disappearing. And and you know what? It's like one of those things. Like you know, stick to what you're good at. Well, right? you have, your Tesla thing seemed to be working pretty well. W- why venture into space and Twitter yeah. and uh, presidential elections? And you know why? Because you're a hubristic, egotistical, megalomaniac. And well, those are a lot of big words. Um, and if you're listening. Uh, You can look them up, hubristic Egotistical, megalomaniac. That's a lot of syllables. I've made all of those words up. I'm not even sure what they mean. But I've heard other people use them that are smarter than me. So I just yeah. figured I'd repeat them.
1: Well, Elon used to be kind of a, um, a crazy genius. You right. listen to him, and it's like I don't understand what he's talking about, but he sounds like he really knows. Yeah, he sounds very smart. Now he sounds like just a normal crazy person griping about, <laughs> you know, when's when's the garbage man gonna get here? You know, I don't think he came. Last <laughs> I could week. build a, a garbage collector that picks garbage up itself. Yeah. So he's lost a lot of the mystique uh, and.
0: um, Well, yeah, so good luck, Ron uh, DeSantis, by the way, for uh, tying yourself to him. And, And we don't get too political here because we know our listeners span the spectrum, and I think that's fine. It doesn't matter. I don't particularly care. Uh, We don't care, but, you know, DeSantis is, what, 30 points behind at at the moment and is passing anti-union laws in in Florida, like gutting teachers' ability to collectively bargain. And, of course, he's leaving cops and firefighters alone because that's a politically expeditious thing to do if you're a Republican. But, you know, going after teachers, the people that are teaching your kids, banning books, you know, uh, what did he do? He he also did something like uh, ban people from buying land
1: in Florida. People uh, who are not citizens uh can't buy land like for example if you were born in china Uh and you live in the united states have a green card whatever uh and another a number of other countries as well but you're not a citizen you can't buy land and i think the supreme court is going to go after this uh, because it's you know it's it's crazy but uh as you said there was a law passed probably maybe within the last six weeks or so targeting public employees and I think this is all just sort of an ideological push. When you're coming up to a primary, everybody's got to run as far right or as far left as they can to be competitive in a primary. It's one of the sort of downfalls of primary politics. But, um, the, uh, the problem is if he doesn't win, all this stuff is still law. Like yeah, the, state, right. the people of the state of Florida are going to be victims as collateral damage to like attempts to portray himself as the most hard on immigrants and unions uh, and, and whatever. So, and
0: I think didn't he also pass a law that if if, if he runs for for president and doesn't win, he can still be governor. I, it wouldn't shock me i, th- I, I think know. i think he did so you're right this collateral damage and once again i gotta I got go back to this you know hey hey republicans hey Ron DeSantis, keep pounding the working class keep keep pounding people that probably half of those teachers would have voted for you and now you just took away their collective bargaining rights you just lost half of of their vote so you you're, you're missing the big picture anyway so so anyway that's a uh, goofy v goofy v spaceman <laughs> <laughs> we're adding a third character yeah. um, speaking
1: of uh, of goofy um yeah. There was some news out of medieval times. It's one of your favorite things to report. Oh on my over god, I can't, I, can't,
0: I can't get enough of that. Yeah. So, medieval times, a couple of things have happened. One is um, there was a picket not too long ago. Um, you know, they're picketing, right? They're on strike. And I forget which location it was. I believe it was somewhere in California. And sure enough, there was a car that literally, there's video of this car, like, you know, hitting picketers. Right, yeah. trying to get it. Just, they wanted to get to medieval times so badly <laughs> that they had to run over, you know, some nights. Like, yeah. what is the matter with people? Like, I'm pretty sure on, it's assigned
1: seating. You don't have to get there early. Is that right? I think so. It's just, it's just amazing. Like, hey, if you see
0: a picket line, you know, we've said this on on the show for day one. They're not picketing just for their own purposes. That picket is going to lift up, going to lift up the standard of living for everybody around them, right? And so, if they do well in medieval times. You know, then it's going to be better for, I don't know, the next medieval times that comes up, right? Right. I mean, so if you see a picket line, you know, you, you got to realize that it's not just about those particular people on the picket line, like we talked about with the writer's strike, right? It's not just about writers, right? right? This is about humans versus robots, for example. So, so medieval times did this. And, you know, and, and I'm going to end with this. We'll, we're going to take a break in a second. Um, but they, they brought in uh, what I would call ye old union buster. <laughs> Very clever. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, and they they did the regular playbook, right, which is playbook since day one. Uh, fight the union. Lose the election, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so now the the guys are union uh, don't come to the bargain table, right? Don't negotiate in good faith. Um, I'm not even sure if they ever got to the bargain table, and force them out on strike. And so now they're on strike. And then what do they do? Oh, try and desert the union. What does that mean? Try and get enough people to withdraw their interest in the union, right? Which they did, and the union won the election again. Yeah. So now we're, you know, I don't know, X year plus of getting nowhere, and you know, it's just a simple playbook. And I guarantee that they have spent more money on ye old union buster and ye old union lawyers, anti union lawyers, um, than they would have if they just gave these guys a contract.
1: I mean, it is a very simple playbook, and I think one of the most powerful things we've had, um, you know, I I know Jim Sweeney and a couple of other business managers who have organized have come on and said, when you can tell workers. You know workers who are trying to organize they're hearing something from the union they 're hearing something from their employer and it 's hard to know exactly what to listen to most, but as a union, when you 're trying to organize and you can tell a worker here 's what your boss is going to do that's right here 's what they 've probably already done, that's and right. here 's what 's coming next, yeah, and then they can watch it happen in real time, yeah, it builds trust and it 's not a very sophisticated playbook, but yeah don't show up for negotiations means. We've had this union for a year, and nothing's happened. And then they come back and say, well, you've had this union for a year, and nothing's happened. You should just get out of it, and you'll flake off a couple people. So, And they'll gaslight you because they'll tell you. So the law, by the
0: way, is that the union gets one year unfettered to get their first contract. You can't desert them. You can't get rid of them. They have a year. Right. If the, if the uh, employer breaks the law, you can extend that year. Um, you can extend the, the, the bar to an election so uh, that's just a two second you can look that up but they get they basically get a year on fetters so the playbook is is exactly that don't come to the table delay delay appeal appeal you know bad mouth the union fire a bunch of folks and then go hey this isn't working right. <laughs> it's not working because you won't let it work no. and the, and the law as we talked with with David Madeline, the guy that wrote that book um the law is is a slap on the hands it's yeah. just literally a slap on the wrist does there's no penalty for for that so, yeah. so you know, folks that are listening out there, you know, we, we – when I was at 150, and I know a lot of the unions do this, we call it the inoculation file. We literally hand them a packet and go, here's what you're going to see. Right. Here's what they're going to say. This is what they're going to do. And they all do exactly what we say they're going to do, and then that builds trust in the union. You go, oh, well, we were forewarned about this. It's best to forewarn them, right?
1: right. And I think great union leaders recognize also that um, companies – can handle that playbook because it's very simple. That's right. So what do workers have to do? Find a way to change it to right. to get them off off of their plan because yep. when they don't have the plan, they don't know what to do.
0: Oh no! If if you get them off script, and I've had people on the witness stand like pushing them off script, they're like, "What? What?" They yeah. you know, like, they are literally just absolutely cl- clueless. So unions need to do creative, inventive things to get to that first contract. And then once again, politicians. You know, I know Joe Biden is a big listener of this show, and that is, hey Joe, pass a law that gives unions arbitration rights for a first contract in the first year and a discussion pass that law
1: yeah right absolutely and and joe if you're listening i keep getting these it's it's not really your wheelhouse but i keep getting these notices from the tollway that i didn't pay my tolls but i did pay my tolls so joe if you're listening if you could help me solve my illinois toll problem that'd be great are you uh like a scofflaw a scofflaw? <laughs> Not for many years, Ken. <laughs> That's a good use of the word scofflaw.
0: Thank you so much. I'm, I'm big on words today. So listen, you, uh, <laughs> well, big on words, yeah, you're listening to The Worker's Mic uh, right here on 720 Gen. We will be right back. You're listening to The Worker's Mic, powered by the Midwest Coalition of Labor and sponsored by Megan Financial, Premise Health, and Voya Financial. Welcome back everyone to the Workers Mike right here on 720 WGN. I'm Ken, sitting here with Ed, and uh
1: we're going to turn the topic now to children. We love children. And unfortunately, we have to report far too often about violations of uh, you know, workers uh, you know, workplace laws that involve children. Yeah, it's it's it's
0: absolutely sickening. So, um apparently I, I read in the news that uh if, um some McDonald's franchises in uh Louisville were found to have Ten-year-olds
1: working there. Ten-year-olds. Working in the kitchen. Not
0: 14-year-olds, 10-year-olds.
1: Yeah. I mean, what is the matter with people? Well, as you've said in the past, it's not just the fact that there are 10-year-olds back there, but there are other employees who are working with 10-year-olds and not doing anything about it, not saying something about it, which is is what baffles me. Because, you know, a 10-year-old, think about a 10-year-old. You can tell that they're not of age to be working, nor should they be. So shame on you if you're working next to somebody
0: or, or a kid that's 10 years old you yeah. know that kid is 10 years old period the end and and by the way who's driving the kid to work right right like what kind of parent are you that allows your
1: 10 year old to, to go to work so For sure. so you and i think know. a lot of it is exploitation of Uh, kids who've traveled here without documents i think that's right as well came to meet a family member who wasn't there or something i mean the the new york times did a lot of reporting on that that's it's really disgusting by the way it's it's absolutely and and as you said i think off off the air they get paid in unhappy meals yeah they're sad meals they've (laughs) i think it it comes with broken toys and and gruel, diet caffeine free coke which Mm. everybody hates (laughs) so it's uh gruel yes oliver twist style so, um, but that's, so that's the negative on kids but it, there's a there's a really positive
0: story about uh, kids in, in quote-unquote what I would call uh, labor/ slash collective collective action yeah.
1: and what's that Ed so in right now in New Mexico is the latest state where this has happened but it's it was the fifth state uh, where this happened kids have gotten together uh, to fight against student or school lunch debt which is something I wasn't really familiar with, but I think about it. I mean, I've got a daughter, and I put uh, money on her lunch card. Mm -hmm. Her mom puts money on her lunch card, and she goes to school and has whatever she wants for lunch, and she has a balance. Uh, But there are a lot of kids who don't have money on the cards, and they have to eat something so they get food. And at the end of the year, they just have debt that they have to pay uh because and who do they pay the school district? so it's the school district okay. um and a, a big part of the problem because the kids who who can't afford food um or can't afford to have food to bring to school or't yeah. do have money to buy lunch, yeah. a lot of times they're not really eating anything or they're not eating well at home. There are just a lot of uh, a lot of people that are affected by this. in fact, this article said that nine million children in the u s suffer from food insecurity, nine million kids. And um, school lunches get subsidized or paid for by the federal government if you meet criteria, which criteria is for a three-person family, if your total income is less than $27,000 a year, you can get school lunches for free above 27000 across three people in a family, and you have to pay for school lunches. Which is absolutely absurd because $27,000 gets you nothing. I don't know uh, yeah. how many other families you have to live with to afford rent and have enough money. But anyway, the, 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 the real story here is that in these states kids have seen this and gotten involved themselves and started making signs and talking to their schools talking to the community um and uh, it's not the kids that are struggling with food insecurity it's the kids who are sitting there and seeing their friends not eat something and and be worried at lunch when they should be talking to their friends so right. kids have done this and they've passed it in five states where uh, there's in- increased funding uh, for all kids to just get school lunches and this has been brought to light by other children Children are doing this, and children are getting this done. I love um, it. And again, the most recent state was New Mexico. Mm-hmm. But this is something that's big right now in Minnesota, and it's being fought over where um, opponents in Minnesota are just saying, you know, food insecurity is a personal choice. It's not the government's <laughs> role to... to, to eating, eating is a personal choice. Like, yeah. I don't really... Do I need to eat? Well, the, that's what the kids kept saying. The kids kept it simple. They're really? like, we're talking about food. Yeah. We're like... You know, that's
0: like, like saying, uh, "Do you really need to breathe?" I mean, right. come on, you're taking up, you're taking up too much air.
1: You know, sometimes as adults we get jaded by our experiences or whatever, and sometimes a kid will say something to you, and you're like, "It really is just." So that once simple. again,
0: you know, and again, same thing, right? Once again, shame on you know the rest of us for not number one realizing this is a problem. Shame on the school districts that are letting this happen. Shame on any legislate legislature that. We'll turn us back on this. And the one cool thing that you showed me was one of the children that was, you know, like sort of organizing, right? These kids are organizing. They're acting acting in concert with each other, which is, you know,
1: what a union does. Um, This kid was wearing a kiss shirt. Yeah, he was. Right? Yeah, he was sitting next to the governor. They had a – when the the law was signed, they had an event at his school, and he's rocking a kiss t-shirt. I love it. I
0: absolutely love it.
1: Um, But, you know, again, you hear a lot of people on the other side of this saying for one reason or another – that this shouldn't be covered and that this is, you know, this is people's individual problems. I would just encourage folks to remember that the future is uh, the children of this nature or this nation. Uh, we're counting on them. And if they're going to school and they haven't had breakfast and can't afford lunch and can't afford to eat, they're not going to be doing very well. So I think those of us uh, who didn't know that this was a problem, uh, I would hope that you'd have a little bit of compassion and support things like this. Because- so are you saying that children are our future? The kids who have stepped up and actually taken action and are speaking at school board meetings and, and speaking in front of the legislature, those kids are um, a, a great example. I want to find some of them and try to get them involved in the labor movement, but they're <laughs> an example that if you see something, say something, Absolutely, and you can help out people less fortunate than you, and it's and good you can for everybody. Do, and you can
0: do it and do it together. Yeah.
1: That, that's a stre- the strength The of As collective action. All day, every
0: day. Uh, we will be right back, uh, right here on the Worker's Mic on 720 WGN. You're listening to The Worker's Mic, powered by the Midwest Coalition
1: of Labor and sponsored by Megan Financial, Premise Health, and Voya Financial. Welcome back, everybody, to The Worker's Mic right here on 720 WGN. I'm Ed Maher here with Ken. Happy Sunday. Happy Thanks, Sunday. And welcome back. And... Uh, you know, Ken was just looking out the window, as he likes to do, just space out and stare out the window with big, dead-eyed look on his face, and uh, <laughs> he noticed that the bridges are up. You see all the boats headed back out onto the lake. It's summertime. What's, what's important about the bridges being up? Well, who does it? Uh, it's an bridge, important job. Bridge tenders. And they are members of the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150. Good for them. Shout out to the bridge tenders.
0: Shout out to right? And they, they have such a cool job, right? They sit in this little thing, they, they raise the bridge, they lower the bridge, and you think it's not an important job, but it is Especially during the riots over the summer or last couple summers ago. Remember
1: that? Yeah, during the pandemic, they had to raise all the bridges.
0: They raised all the bridges. Yeah, don't get into downtown.
1: So, So there's power in bridges. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more with We're you. are bridging I, the gap. I've said that my entire <laughs> life, Ken. Power in bridges. Um, so, w- talking yeah. about bridges. Yeah. I wanted to bring up something. Uh, every year, uh, MetLife, it's a big insurance company, they put out I've never, a study. Never heard of it. Never heard of it? Yeah. Okay. Well, now you know, you're know you in luck in that case. So they, they put out a study uh, that's a survey of all different workplaces across the country about employer attitudes and employee attitudes about benefits and general kind of workplace trends. Right. And it's really interesting because over time you can watch people's attitudes toward um, things like unlimited PTO, paid time off, things like that evolve and more companies start to do things like that. This year, their study, which just came out is about, uh, the sense of care an employer's care for its employees and what do you, what do you mean what does that mean in sense of care so if an em- you can you can give an employee health care yeah or uh, and and you can you know that person will have healthcare but if they have you know a management style that makes the makes them feel like their employer is engaged with them and right. cares about them right. they're more satisfied and it's more meaningful so it's sort of like a mindset type of thing um so it's not a dollars and cents issue it's a little bit the the theme of it this year was a little bit esoteric but there were a lot of interesting statistics that were a lot more concrete um, and it was uh, in 2023 55% of employees Reported that they were living paycheck to paycheck, and in 2022, a year ago, yeah, that number was 43. percent. So we'd literally gone backwards. Yeah, so 55% living paycheck to paycheck, and I don't know if you've seen it, but I think it's more than half of the country. If there was an unexpected $300 expense, like you blow a tire, yep, you can't can't afford it. Don't have. have the money. Don't have, have the. I have seen that. Yeah, and um, and you have to, you know, choose between eating or paying your rent. Right, and in this study, they also showed that. Um, 48%, nearly half of the employees in the nation that they surveyed, uh, cited financial concerns and financial stresses as having a negative impact on their um, mental health, which was only a third the year before. So big so, jumps So, so, so MetLife,
0: And why does MetLife do this, by the way? Are, are they just altruistic in doing this? Like, they, what's the,
1: no, there, I mean, there must be a bottom line for them doing this. Well, they're, they're an insurance provider, so they provide benefits. And, and the heart of this study is just uh, it's looking at benefit trends so that employers who want to provide insurance who maybe don't, it's giving employers a good reason to provide benefits. I, I and, hey, look on the back of the report. Whose yeah. right. number is yeah, that? It's my life. That makes
0: sense, but you but know, I'm I'm glad that they're doing it anyway, right? And I, and I have been following this. You you've been talking about the study for years, like right? It, it's all like every sometimes it's there was pe, there,
1: sometimes there was pet insurance on it for
0: sure, right? Yeah,
1: everybody <laughs> people who have everything else, they're yeah. like, well, what do we want? We want pet insurance
0: <laughs> because they already have everything,
1: right? And uh, you know, there there's a new sort of trend that was mentioned in their uh, customizable and uh, customizable benefits, where you get a certain amount of money, yeah for benefits and you get to pick what you get um it's not something that's taken off in many workplaces but um by and large the the things that people care most about when they're employees are still your your traditional must-haves number one with about 75 percent of employees ranking at number one is health insurance sure uh then you got paid leave retirement savings 401k pension whatever that is so this is just benefits this is not nobody's talking about money uh, I mean, I'm the, assuming he, money is like number one, and it's assumed that it's number one. This, right. This is this just is. A, a list on the on the benefits, but um, but yeah, I mean the the economics are covered in there with people saying that they're living paycheck to paycheck. And the, one of the interesting things is if you ask an employee of a company how they're doing financially yeah. they'll give you an answer if you ask the employer how their employees are doing financially they give you a totally different answer there's like a a, a 25 point gap are you between serious? yeah like yeah. what they think they're
0: paying their employees versus what the employees
1: are actually getting paid right like if you i think that it was like a 22 point gap and i think employers at a rate of like 80% said that their employees were doing well financially and the actual number of employees that said so was like 58 that's. It so it's just
0: there's such a disconnect, and I think it's so disingenuous for these CEOs to say like, "Oh, employees are doing great," you know. And I go back to the writers' strike, you know. And once again, you think that these writers are, are rich, and you know, I was just told uh, somebody said that you know one of the writers on a very, very, very popular show literally couldn't pay for his internet service right we had to go to the library and use their internet service to write an episode of a very very
1: popular show yeah and, and who, who's who's making money these shows generate money it uh you know to think that somebody's creating companies wealth. are making the money they're they're taking the the bulk
0: of the money and then i you know what i guess they're giving it back to the stockholders i don't know like but who's paying for a 500 million dollar yacht right Right. I know. I mean, come on. Like, you know what? <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to go to Life and go, you know, my number one priority is me getting a $500 million yacht. How about that?
1: I want a yacht. I have one of those captain's hats and I've been sort of working my way toward a yacht. It got the captain's hat. I, I think that's a, a good start. I have a pipe. Uh-huh. Uh, I don't smoke a pipe, but I have it. Yep. I think it, it looks good. Um, I'll probably get some sunglasses, maybe a Hawaiian shirt. So at some point down the road, it's going to be time to get the boat. You know, and you work close to the lake. Yeah. Right? So I you, know the bridge tenders. You're, I mean, you're almost there. I know. Yeah. Just that one piece, the boat. they have a a billion dollar boat yeah i would be a sailor but But let's go but
0: let's go i want to go back to this for a quick second ed um and and this is important you're seeing you know and this ties in i think to to what metlife said and what you just said which is they want to be treated well right they want to feel that the employer cares about them and and that by the way it really does go a long way, and it used to be, right, back in the day, you would start working for a company, and you would end up working for that company. They would appreciate what you did. They'd give you a lunch at the end. They'd give you retirement. They'd take care of you. they give you pension. they give you health insurance. They took care of you from, from cradle to grave, kind of like what the building trades do and what the unions do. Companies used to do that. Nowadays, people think, and I think, I, I think that the companies themselves have basically said, it's like, you're expendable, right? We don't need you. Until, until, by the way, they do need you. Like Amazon, they can't hire people.
1: Right. Well, let's let's look at this from a business perspective. Okay. Happy employees are productive employees all day, every day. Thousand studies that show that. That's right. You can get, and, and what we're seeing here is from MetLife. Yeah. You can have employees that have a benefit package on you know under two managers one treats them well yep. one treats them poorly yep. and you have a total different experience for those employers employees which means that they are not as productive not as happy and the company suffers from that so the basic here is companies that are nice to their employees are probably more you know effective do better for their for their budgets everything like that so when you have companies that are actively antagonizing their employees <laughs> right. or hitting them with cars outside the castle as you mentioned earlier it's bad for business if your employees think that you're trying to screw them over i don't think it was the employer by the way that hit hit them with the i understand car, right? i I was, I was a little I, bit of a stretch i got it but yes i i, I understand what you're saying um, I, you know like
0: I, I look at something like um i'll just give you my example of this uh rutgers university right um i think it's in in New, New, New Jersey, Orleans, It's in New Jersey, um, and they had their first strike. Apparently, Rutgers has been around for 275 years. I, yeah. I did not know that. That's really, really old. Um, this was their first strike in 275 years, and it wasn't just the teacher's assistant that went on strike. It was the teachers, the professors, the entire faculty walked out and... You know, you talk about a, an institution, as Rutgers, they must have been really, really unhappy. And it turns out that they were, and they came back in. What were they unhappy about? Working conditions, money, et cetera. But they walked back in, and the strike was effective. Forty, I think it was a 40-plus percent increase right out of the gate. So when you get to the point where you're so unhappy with your working conditions, and they're just they're not working anymore, and you have to go out on strike to – Prove a point to get what's coming to you. It, it's t- you got to l- take a look if, if you're the employer and go, what are we doing wrong here? Like, right. why, why would we get to a point where our workers, five thousand of them, are so angry, so upset that they're going to literally walk out and withhold their labor? And I think oh, I can't remember one. There was I think it was, there was one university where they went out on strike, and the university first move was to try and file an injunction to make them come back to work and like how do you make somebody come back to work isn't that right indentured servitude like, like get back to work yeah well, or quit probably it, yeah i i guess i mean you know it's just like i guess what the the guy from starbucks said that howard schultz is like well if it's so bad here quit Right, right, and then he say that to a bunch of his employees? Yeah, and that's, that's like who wants to hear that, right? That's it, the kind of attitude yeah. that employees that's don't want to
1: hear. It's the opposite of what we're talking And about. what kind of people are you going to have doing this work for you? How well An- are they going to work for you? You're going to have angry people,
0: right? You know, I I will tell you this: WGN, where where we are, um, must you know treat their employees pretty well because every time I come here with the exception of the odd person or two they're always in a good mood everybody here is really? really happy yeah we have a new producer today um is he a producer the guy that's running the board yeah, yeah. He's, dan. Like, he's yeah dan dan uh, dan lawrence long that's right yeah give him a shout out listen and he, up, he's a 1220 member ibw um but like i don't know everybody who walk around here is like they're in a good mood now that being said we have gotten in trouble a couple of times for
1: yeah Doing, and, doing various pranks, I, if you will. I think it has more to do with uh, the environment here because I'm—I know we're not that likable. That you would always just be that happy to see us. Well, you're not that likable. That's it's, for sure. It's probably that because of the pink shirt. It's salmon. <laughs> it was probably on sale, man. Take it easy. It probably got a great deal on it. It's stained, by the way. <laughs> Is it? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> you're mean. I'm sorry. I'm getting shamed over here. I'm, I'm getting sorry. Sa- salmon <laughs> shaming. It's a thing. Hashtag salmon shaming. <laughs> He's, it's not not about about the, He's not happy with his working conditions. Not just then guess what? Quit. Anymore. And you should quit. All right.
0: All right. Listen, we're going to take a, a quick break. Um, you're listening to The Worker's Mic right here on 720 WGN. We'll be right back. You're listening to The Worker's Mic, powered by the Midwest Coalition of Labor and sponsored by Megan Financial, Premise Health, and Voya Financial. Welcome back, everyone, to The Worker's Mic right here on 720 WGN. My name is Ken Edwards. From the Midwest Coalition of Labor, sitting next to me, Ed Maher from Operating Engineers Local 150. We're going to uh, wrap things up um, by talking about, uh, I think, what is you know continues to be timely, um, and that is the writers' strike. Yeah, uh, and not just the writers' strike now, um, but what I think is going—you're going to see—is uh, the Directors
1: Guild strike and uh, Screen Actors Guild after strike. Um, well, SAG, actually, the Screen Actors Guild, uh, which is a joint union with the uh, television and radio actors, they asked for a strike vote about a week ago. And uh, from what I understand, it's overwhelmingly... I mean, you see a lot of actors posting this on their Twitter pages yep. where they're saying, you know, I support the strike. So their contract is up at the end of June. Um, and then the Directors Guild is also. So this spirit of solidarity that the writers have been trying to attract, as it's been successful so far, but... When uh, you know you can get a, uh, a robot or AI to write something you can't get it to act in the movie you can't get it to direct a movie so what these studios are gonna wind up with pretty soon uh, within you know another five weeks or so is no writers no actors no directors and and then, you know, and then what I'm not sure I mean some places that have like a Netflix of the world that has some content backlogged they can continue to put shows out but uh, live TV is going to is going to struggle and I think that that's important because these workers have an incredible amount of leverage. They have a tough battle against you know, an uncertain future with the way that they're handled as human beings, um, along with economics and things like that. But they're going to have a ton of leverage. And uh, it's important to have the solidarity kind of stick together because the whole industry... Is going to be brought to a, a standstill,
0: and, I, and you know what? If that's what needs to happen, right? Then that's what needs to happen. And so, you know, we had uh, when we when we first talked about the strike, we we had somebody else on, on David Madlin, who talked about sectoral bargaining, and, and we've t- we've kind of touched on this in in the past, but but not really. And and what it would mean is bargaining across an entire sector, right. whether, whether you're union or not, you're bargaining for that sector. And and what I think you're going to see here shortly uh if uh, i'm a, a correct prognosticator mm-hmm. is that the word yeah prognosticator We're, it's, today's a day of big giant words um so i think you're gonna see three very large strong unions out uh at the same time and i think tom hanks said something about this that he has the same fear right
1: right yeah tom hanks is everybody loves tom hanks you he's, can't not like tom hanks yeah he's like bill murray he's just universally loved by For everyone sure. Um, but he came out and he said that the, the writer's strike is important because they're fighting against the same thing that everyone in the entertainment industry is fighting against, and that's automation and the presence and the emergence of automation driving down everybody's wages. He actually made a, a reference to uh, the people that are writing shows that are truly successful. They're making one guy millions of dollars, and they don't have enough money to live. And I think that's... I like to think that that's un-American. In some corners of America, maybe I'm wrong, but uh, for most ordinary folks, when you hear about a story like that, somebody writes something, and it's so good that it creates millions of dollars, and everybody loves it, and everybody watches it, and the guy who created it can 't afford to uh, you right know, like fill everybody his else is ma-
0: everybody else is making money from it, like whether it 's t shirt sales or sponsorships or commercials or you know streaming revenue or whatever it is, but the person who actually wrote it and right. made it like literally can 't afford his rent
1: and it 's a simple concept and there was a study done last week that shows that 70 percent of Americans support the writer's strike thank, thank God by the way, because they fin- i think people are finally starting to understand that this this notion
0: of unfettered corporate greed has now gotten into their living rooms how through netflix yeah. through you know these streaming companies etc you know ed and i were talking about this off the air and I'll, I'll mention this you don't see people that are loyal to like nobody's wearing a netflix shirt right right but you they're wearing a stranger things shirt you know what I mean, and they're attached to the storyline, right? They love the story of whatever it is—Breaking Bad or Better Call Saul or et cetera. You know, Succession I'm watching right now, just like, just like uh, you know, man, they, they, these guys tonight, from Da Vinci said, for succession Well, don't tell me please because I'm I'm still catching up. But the oh guys from Da Vinci Street said it's the best thing you will ever watch, and blah blah blah. And it turns out that they were right. So Succession's so, yeah, great, yeah, it's it's really good. But I'm but I'm tied to the actors and the writing, right? I'm not right. tied. I couldn't even tell you every night I turn it on. I'm like, what channel is that on again? I'm like, you think I remember that it's on, whatever it's on, HBO Max, which now, by the way, is Max, right. right? Which I don't know if they're named after you, Max from Da Vinci Street, but kudos if you are the owner of it. But it's like HBO Max, and right. now it's just Max. But who's who's tied to that? Nobody, right? right. They're, they're tied to the to the writers and the and the actors and the people that are producing it and doing such a such a good job. So. I think that's important, and maybe for the first time that you'll see these, you know, I, don't, I, I shouldn't say for the first time. I don't know if this has happened in the past, but you, hopefully you'll see the Screen Actors Guild, the American Federation of Television, what is it? The American Federation of... television Television and radio radio artists artists there you go
1: yeah we couldn't get that right last week i think i guessed america which doesn't make any sense artists so
0: you'll hopefully that we'll see them together with the writers guild yeah and you know iatsi who has already said that they're not going to cross the picket line of the teamsters who said they're not going to cross the picket line and have already proved that and shutting down these productions that you'll see all these folks get together and realize they're economic strength because right. they have it right. right you think oh my god i can't take on uh you know disney or discovery it, it's gotten to the point where you know if just google this because it really is an amazing clip um there was a ceo i want to say of discovery the discovery channel
1: or, or something of those yeah, that be, line. a network of, yeah, uh, yeah. of media right
0: and um he was giving a commencement speech at boston university uh college and the students literally were chanting uh, pay your writers right right well, like literally it's like it's the most like kind of esoteric yeah. like, pay your writers and he they stood just, there
1: for a minute silent as the whole crowd that he was supposed to be talking to was chanting pay your writers and then they flew a banner
0: over there like hey so-and-so pay your writers yeah. you know and so like imagine like these college students now are understanding that, their future depends on what happens in this writer's strike, because you, you imagine you're a college student, you're about to graduate, and you're like, holy cow, like, is my job going to get replaced by AI? Everybody's like, not- afraid of that. You and know they that- should be. And the, you have the opportunity right now for the writers and the Screen Actors Guild and uh, the, the Directors Guild to to shut this thing down and say, we will not perform a single word written by AI, period, the end, end of the discussion. Anyway, um so, solidarity in solidarity there is power absolutely and, and you guys you know uh, stick it out stay together the the country has your back um we have your back the number one radio show in america which is the worker's mic yeah. right?
1: we have their back do, do we not yeah and we're actually the number one show in north america now now so. north america it's spreading holy cow I, I know. does that mean canada i don't know what's next yeah so, um europa
0: europa we're on it <laughs> okay well hey listen uh we are going to shut it down today. Um, thank you so much for, for listening. Uh, you've been listening to The Worker's Mic powered by the Midwest Coalition of Labor right here on 720 WGN. We'll see you next week.
1: The preceding episode of The Worker's Mike was powered by the Midwest Coalition of Labor and sponsored by Megan Financial, Premise Health, and Voya Financial. For additional information and podcasts of The Worker's Mic, visit WGNradio.com.